good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. This is this is actually January thirteenth, twenty twenty one, seven a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. I am Lisa H, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Tennessee. Today, we're reading from the Big Book, and we're on page twenty eight, the fifth paragraph, the last paragraph, beginning in the following chapter reading through four paragraphs, which takes us to the end of the chapter, and comments will be on all four paragraphs. Today's readers are, for the 12 Steps, Sam S., 12 Traditions, Barb W., and readers of the text, Nancy P., Crystal P., Devorah S., our newcomer greeter is Reva P., and the host for the second hour is Sandy W., and thank you all for your service this morning. OA preamble. Oh, excuse me. The reference numbers for yesterday, Tuesday, January 12, 2021. The 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 16,177. That's 16177. For the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, it's 16,178. So that's 16178. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Sam S. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning, Lisa. Thanks for leading. This is Sam S., compulsive overeater from Rhode Island. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation 
to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Pass. Thank you, Sam S. And I will now ask Barb W. to please read the 12 traditions. Good morning. Barb W., Naperville, Illinois, um, gratefully recovering overeater. 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks for letting me serve. Have a good day. Thank you, Barb W. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book. We're on page, oh, we're in, there is a solution. We're on page 28, the the last paragraph, beginning in the following chapter, reading through to the end of the chapter. And I will now please ask Nancy P. to get us started. Hi, good morning. Um, Thank you for letting me share. This is Nancy P. calling in from West Newton, Massachusetts, just outside of Boston. 
In the following chapter, there appears an explanation of alcoholism as we understand it, then a chapter addressed to the agnostic. Many who once were in this class are now among our members. Surprisingly enough, we find such convictions no great obstacle to to a spiritual experience. Further on, clear-cut directions are are given showing how we recovered. These are followed by three dozen personal experiences. You can tell that I'm in the third edition. (laughs) Each individual in the personal stories describes in his own language and from his own point of view the way he established his relationship with God. These give a fair cross-section of our membership and a clear-cut idea of what has actually happened in their lives. We hope no one will consider these self-revealing accounts in bad taste. Our hope is that many alcoholic men and women desperately in need will see these pages and we believe that it is only by fully disclosing ourselves and our problems that they will be persuaded to say, yes, I am one of them too. I must have this thing. Okay, let me just set my timer here. Uh, my, uh, will, you, will you keep it for me? I'm like nervous or something. I can't seem to pull up my timer. So this chapter is amazing. And every day people are sharing, you know, they're revealing things in the book that are just making me the agnostic. I'm very agnostic um, and joyfully so. Um, I relax more because, you know, in the previous paragraphs, um, it talks about multitude and ways in which men have discovered God. Well, that's not, you know, but no rules on that, right? And, you know, a design for living isn't like definitely have to be God, right? It, it doesn't have to be. And to me, the key phrase is faith can be acquired. It just can be acquired. Faith in what? I don't care. It doesn't matter. All I care is that I'm recovered and that I have a, a thing that works for me. So, you know, religion is a convenient path. It's a template for some people that feels comfortable. And for me, it does not feel comfortable. But surprisingly enough, there, and all of that is true, because surprisingly enough, I don't find, finally, I find my convictions are completely compatible, not just no great obstacle, but completely compatible with a spiritual awakening. I like to differentiate between awakening and experience because I had to wake up before I could gain experience. So my convictions, my agnosticism is completely compatible with an awakening and gaining experience. Um, And it talks about how, you know, as usual, they give you, they never say, okay, Take care of it yourself, compulsive overeater, slimy, lying, cheating person that you are. They say, we're going to make sure that you understand what we mean because they give clear-cut directions. They never say, have at it. They just, they always give directions. And I myself have come to believe, you know, in a definition of a higher power that I made myself, I created it myself under the directions of my sponsor and per the instructions in this book, and I've recovered. I'm happily, joyfully, serenely agnostic, yet I'm recovered at the same time. All of it. I get all of it, everything. Um, and what happened to me was that only by disclosing myself and my problems was I persuaded to say, yes, yes, me too. I'm not on the outside looking in anymore. I'm one of the bunch, as my dad used to say. I must have this thing. And, you know, I did start my um my spiritual awakening on a very simple level as it says but i and i continue to stretch and reach but i've my cornerstone has been set in place and nothing has shaken it um and with that i'll pass thank you for letting me share thank you nancy p for getting us started 
And although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. So if you shared on Monday or Tuesday this week, if you'll hold back and let others share, um, we would appreciate that. And who would like to share on what was read? Jen A. Jen A. Nessa R. Nessa R. Deanna P. Deanna P. Katie T. Anita J. I think Katie T. Anita J. Okay. Y'all are being so kind. That's just perfect timing. Tina S. Nosa J. Nosa J. That's perfect. Okay. I have Jen A, Nessa R, Deanna P, Katie T, Anita J, Tina S, and Nosa J. All right. Jen A, you're up, followed by Nessa R. Good morning. Thank you so much, and uh, thanks for getting us started today. My name is Jen A, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Littleton, Colorado. Well, there are clear-cut directions in this book. The big book for me is the Practical Program of Action. They give me prayers to pray and promises that um, have amazingly uh, come true and continue to come true in my life. And um, I love how it talks about the personal stories in the back of the book and what it doesn't omit. And what it doesn't omit is God. This is a spiritual program. It's a spiritual solution. Um, I didn't know that when I came in, but I'll never forget um, in the doctor's opinion where the doctor diagnosed me with the allergy of the body and the twist of the mind. And then he said that he realized that he was powerless. Silkworth was powerless over the alcoholic. Um, and he, you know, he's powerless over the compulsive overeater. If he sat there and diagnosed me, he would probably call me hopeless too after he saw the list of things that I did in order to try um, and beat this disease of compulsive overeating. Um, and he told me one thing. He told me that, you know what, he could dry out the drunk, but he couldn't keep him sober. And how I thought about that is, okay, I can go on a diet I can go to a diet and calories club. I can get a trainer. And they can, you know what, they can help me lose weight, but they can't keep me skinny. And so he told me the secret, the secret on page XXVII. He said that I was going to need some form of spiritual awakening, moral psychology, an entire psychic change that was going to drive out this obsession. And then they put all these stories in the back of the book that tell time after time after time after time again how people found God. I think that's um, pretty good evidence, right? Um, And then I went in the rooms and I sat and I heard that you people did the same thing, that you got recovered. And how did you get recovered? By doing these 12 simple steps, simple but not easy. A price had to be paid. I had to take action. So I embarked on the journey I don't remember the journey being very hard. I remember it sucked in days, but I remember I showed up every Saturday. I met with my sponsor. I went to a meeting, and I did everything that was asked of me and that was outlined in this book. And that's how I found God. So grateful because it says, and I can say today, yes, I am one of them them too, right? I am a compulsive overeater, and I must have a power greater than myself that's going to restore me to sanity on a daily basis today. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Jen A. And Nessa R., you're up, followed by Deanna P. 
Hi. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. Good morning, vision for you. This is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. I love this phrase to show how to recover. Um, it's uh, used before in the big book in the forward to the first edition where it says to show other alcoholics precisely how we have how we have recovered is the purpose of this book. You know, because all my life I was told things. I was told how to do things. I was told, um, you know, eat everything in moderation. I was told, um, you know, your plate should be half vegetables, quarter uh, protein, quarter carbs. I was told, don't eat um, uh, sweets. I was told, push yourself away from the table. I was told, you know, you have a, a lot of high-risk history in your family. You need to lose weight. I was told that my portions were too big. I was told uh, to exercise more. I was told, um, actually, my, my parents never told me anything. They just put me on diets. But I was told so many things. Nobody showed me anything. The only, the only person who showed me anything was a nutritionist who showed me what four ounces of chicken looked like and what half a cup of pasta looked like, but that was it. And the reason why they couldn't show me anything was because they weren't like me. They, they didn't have um, the mind of, of an addict the way I had. I didn't know I had it either, but nobody showed me anything you know, until I, I met my sponsor, um, you know, and what does, what, what is the significance of showing? Showing means to demonstrate by example, you know, these people are not telling me what to do. My sponsor is not telling me what to do. You know, she knows how I feel. She's been there. She's done that. You know, she's been in active addiction and now she is recovered. So she can show me the way she can lead me. You know, not just send me on my way, oh, you know, just, you know, um, eat three meals a day and, and good luck to you, which is basically what, what everybody else was doing. Even um, in these rooms of OA in my, in my early tenure, because I've been here um, 18 years. But I was showed how to identify my trigger foods and my trigger ingredients and my trigger in, uh, behaviors. And I, and I was shown um, that it is possible to leave them behind 100%, you know, it's uncomfortable um, and it's difficult at the beginning, but it's possible. And then I was shown how to work the steps, you know, uh, because my sponsor had done it herself. You know, she showed me the, um, with the do's and don'ts of working the steps. She showed, me, she showed me the instructions in the big book. She showed me how to follow them. And what right. happened was, Thank you. And what happened was recovery. Um, and with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. And Deanna P., you're up, followed by Katie T. Good morning. Thank you, moderator. Hello, everyone. Um, this is Deanna P. from Wilmington, Delaware. Um, it's one of those fortunate mornings where I actually had time to read ahead. And then when the moderator said there's going to be four paragraphs, I'm like, oh, my goodness, better get busy. Um, I love the phrase uh, clear-cut directions um, because being an elementary school teacher, I love clear-cut directions, especially when they are A to B to C, one to two to three. So this fits uh, the need in my life um, 
when I was told that I could follow some clear-cut directions, I was like, finally, someone is going to tell me exactly what I need to do. And I listened, I followed, I obeyed, and I got recovery. And it was as simple as that, but it was a journey. I love uh, the personal stories in this book. My husband and I have been reading a few of them, but I love your personal stories. And each of them are a rich tapestry of recovery for me. Um, and in my in my faith, um, the word testimony uh, comes up, and a testimony is evidence or proof provided by the existence or appearance of something. And what was the evidence? Well, I saw all these recovered people. Not only were they not eating their trigger foods, but they were actually happily not eating them. And there's a huge difference between not eating something and um, just white knuckling it. And you guys had something I wanted. Yes, I, I'm one of them too, I said. I, I must have this thing. Whatever they got, I need to have it. And I saw uh, joy, peace, surrender, um, growth. I saw all of these things here. I found them all here. It took me time. It took me time, but I'm so grateful that now my story is joined in with all of yours. And there's no reveling in our war stories. We don't do it because we want to compare how horrible the disease beat us into submission. We do it because we hope that someone's listening that will identify in and say, yes, I'm one of them too. I've got to have this thing. Please help me. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Deanna P. And Katie T., you're up, followed by Anita J. Uh, good morning, fellows. This is Katie T. Uh, from Greenville, South Carolina, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. I love the ending of this. You know, the summaries at the end of the chapters are wonderful. We believe it's only by fully disclosing ourselves and our problems that they will be persuaded to say, yes, I am one of them too. I must have this thing. Um, you know, it's interesting. I, I love just seeing how uh, Bill and his uh, friends wrote this book because uh, Bill's story, it, it, that's what he's doing. He's fully, he fully disclosed himself in, in excruciating detail the pain of his life before um, he came to this solution. And then we talk about, okay, there's the pain, and then he gives us the hope. And I think that's, we've got membership in an exclusive club. You know, the price of membership, unfortunately, is, is uh, pain, frustration, demoralization, you know, sort of a brokenness. And, uh, you know, the only reason people keep coming is because they find hope here. And even though membership technically is just, um, you know, a desire to stop eating compulsively, it is um, no one stays unless there's hope. And that's what our stories give to people is hope. That's what I found here. Um, And in telling my story, I don't have any shame. Because I'm one among many. I'm just like you. There's no shame associated with with the behaviors I had because I've come to understand this is an illness. This is an addiction. You know, I took my daughter, uh, she was exhibiting anorexic behavior, 
uh, when, in the late 80s, and um, I took her to an inpatient treatment center uh, with her fighting me every step of the way. And I remember having a discussion. This is in the late 80s with somebody at the treatment center and commenting. This was one of the, like, I don't know, technical counselors, but one of the staff there, and commenting something about this being an addiction. And she she said, oh, no, that isn't an addiction. It's a you know, behavior, something like that. I was stunned because I really, we don't talk um, until I started getting into the big book and really um, digging in. I saw it as an addiction. It was really clear to me. I was addicted to sugar. I couldn't stay away from it. But um, in a treatment center, it still hadn't hit somehow the, the staff there that were working directly with these um, young people. And it's kind of just so beautiful to me that I came here because I was beaten. I saw that my eating was just like my ex-husband's drinking. I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop. And then I found other people who were willing to talk openly about the fact that they couldn't stop, that they ate out of the garbage, that they did the things I did that were shameful to me. I'm not proud of those things now, but to me they're tools. My past is a tool to help me um, uh, help someone else to identify in, to to see that uh, they could be, a, you know, like me, 350 pounds, deep in the food all day long, not able to stop, uh, totally demoralized, and um, it's totally changed. I'm recovered, and I love it. So thank you very much. I'll pass. Thank you, Katie T. And Anita J., you're up, followed by Tina S. Thank you so much, moderator. This is Anita J., recovered in uh, Massachusetts, Framingham. Um, Referring back to these paragraphs, each individual um, in his personal stories describes in their own language and from his own point of view, the way he established his relationship with God. And um, then a few few more words, and then we hope no one will consider these self-revealing accounts in bad taste. Isn't that the doozy, (laughs) the kicker? The, The world today reveals every bloody thing in the world, but we shouldn't, uh, but don't consider it in bad taste if I tell you how I found God. Probably the most important thing I could share with a person, not my food plan, how, how, how I found something greater than me that I could cling to and trust, trust, and know that he'll have my back. And um, this happened, you know, years ago. Um, I was um, at the time in church, a pretty active person, and um, something happened and they asked me if this particular Sunday I would give the homily. And I had been a member now a few years. And um, so I, whatever I said, I'm used to, you know, we become used to talking uh, from our hearts and uh, not pussyfooting around anymore, just talking, especially in the church where this is a God-centered place, right? And um, 
one of the men who I really liked on building and ground. So that tells you what he, he, he's a helper. Anyway, he came up to me and he looked at me shaking his head and he goes, too much information. He couldn't handle it. He couldn't handle my sincere thing about uh, it was all Saints Day and the saints in my life and what they've done for me. And um, anyway, the point is, that's not how I am now. This is probably the greatest thing I could hand anybody, is how I found God. And that the great answer, though, is you don't follow me. You don't have to get in my footsteps. The road is hot, wide. There's a lot of footsteps trudging all along together. And... um, so we're walking with purpose, trudging that road. And uh, my purpose today is to keep my contact going, do what he wants me to do for the day, my marching orders. And 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 if I if it's a help to someone else, oh, that would be wonderful. I think that is what he wants. Anyway, thank you so much. And uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Anita J. And Tina S., you're up, followed by Nosa J. Thanks so much, Lisa. Tina S., Recovered Compulsive Eater, anorexic in Florida. Wow, what a great meeting. Heard a lot of really good shares and am so on the same page. And, you know, I also love that further on clear-cut directions because on page 45 it tells us that, you know, you know, what is my dilemma is lack of power and that this this is exactly what this book is about it's going to show me how to find the power which will solve all my problems it tells me and you know and I'm so grateful that it talks about you know we agnostics when I first came into the rooms I thought I could just skip that chapter thank you very much you know because I was raised in a religion I was raised Catholic and I thought you know I can even just start at step three you know, but what I, my conception of the power greater than myself from what I interpreted growing up in, in religion was killing me and continued to kill me in the rooms, you know, until I got to a place of that I could be right where I was and I could have my own conception of a power greater than myself, you know, and I could come to believe, you know, that's, you know, some of the words that it talks about coming to believe, that didn't say I had to believe anything. It said, if I was willing to believe in something bigger than me, you know, my sponsor told me, it doesn't matter what it is, as long as it's just not you, because you're killing yourself. You know, and so through the process and the transformation that comes about in this big book, you know, and I also love the stories in the back of the book because it shows us, you know, it, it certainly gives us, you know, um, people, you know, staying sober. But, you know, the main purpose of that is it shows us how they found a power greater than themselves, which solved all their problems. And that's what I want in my life today, you know, because food, booze, sex, drugs, men, women, those are not my problems. You know, lack of power is my problem, and it continues to be today, you know, because when I think I got some power, I am screwed, you know, because I get in that insanity, my life's unmanageable, and look out, you know, but the good news is there are steps two through 12, and when I'm willing to do something different, I'm going to get something different, and that's the opportunity I have today in this book. And with the power greater than myself who continues to grow, I continue to enlarge my spiritual life, you know, uh, and that's an opportunity that I have one day at a time and real grateful for. With that, I'll pass. Thanks so much. Thank you, Tina S. And Nosa J., you're up. 
Hi, good morning, everyone. It's Nosa J from uh, Houston in Iowa, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, I really like the last sentence. Um, however, it wasn't me. Um, yes, I am one of them too. I must have this thing. Um, I fought this um, for a long time. Um, I remember my mom took me to an OA meeting when I was 13, and um, you know, I never. I never had a, a God in my life, and I was not going to be a compulsive overeater like you guys. Um, <laughs> that was not going to happen. Um, and so um, I, you know, I I didn't even think that I'd be an alcoholic, and I, I am. And I got into recovery um, eight years ago, and even even uh, five years ago, after having some recovery and working the twelve steps. I still did not want to be one of you guys. And, um, you know, I, I went back out and tried to do things my way and I kept trying to do my, my, my way. Um, and then I finally had to surrender because you guys were telling my stories. You know, I heard you guys telling my stories, but I'm like, I'm different than them. They're not like me. They, you know, I'm, I'm better than them, I guess, you know, because um, I have this ego that, that tells me that I am. Um, and once I finally surrendered and I had to get really desperate, though, like it just didn't come to me because you guys told me your story, you know, and then I had to put in the work. I had to do the clear cut directions and I needed it explained to me because I overthink things. And so that's where, you know, my sponsor come in. He can make it very simple for me to work this program. Um, and, and I can get it and I can follow the directions and I can listen to you guys. And now today I can relate and, and, and not be ashamed of what I am or who I am. Um, so I'm just really happy to be here. I love you all and thank you all for being here this morning. Have a good day. Thank you, Nosa J. And before I take another list of names, we are reading from page 28 in There is a Solution, the fifth paragraph that begins in the following chapter. We have read through to the end of the chapter and comments on all four paragraphs. So who else would like to share this morning? Rowena K. Loretta A. Linda D. Loretta, Linda D. Darian K. Darian K. Rowena K. Okay, I I got Rowena at the beginning. I missed somebody after Darian. Chris M. Chris, you're a little bit muffled. Chris M. Okay, anybody else? Melissa C. Melissa C. Gina G. Gina, we better stop there. I think you said Gina D. So I have. No, I said Tina. I said Tina G. Oh, Tina. Okay. I hope we'll get to you, Tina. Um, I have Rowena K. Loretta. You'll have to give me the first initial of your last name. Linda D. Darian K. Chris M. Melissa C. And Tina G. So, Rowena K. Please share with us. Hi, my name is Rowena Kay. Thank you so much for hearing me. Um, yeah, Rowena Kay, compulsive overeater. 
um, in the United Kingdom. Um, yeah, I've really enjoyed hearing the the readings the last few days. Um, and um, the spiritual experience for me today is um, is just the need to say to my higher power, please show me who you want me to be um, and how you want me to be in this world. Um, um, and the spiritual experience for me is also just being able to to have thoughts such as, you know, knowing that my serenity won't be found in the food, that it won't be found in a lover or in a job. Um, and I'm beginning to see that I can find serenity by practicing, asking my higher power, um, by seeking and developing a relationship with my higher power. You know, I'm just learning now that that's the way to 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 find serenity. Um, and I was also... Um, at different times, an atheist or an or an agnostic. Um, but now, now you know the spiritual experience for me has also been my willingness to embrace a benevolent higher power, because that was never something I could do before. I never something you know. I believed that was for everyone else. I didn't really believe it was for me until I kind of realised that, um, you know everybody's got to make their own higher power um and that it's up to me you know to 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 actually be willing to believe in that and today i'm i'm grateful because the food is not calling me um i'm abstinent and that's by the sheer grace of my higher power because um i had covid and in that time i've recovered now almost but in that time, abstinence was really difficult. Um, I kept my abstinence, but it really, uh, it was really tested. Um, and you know, I know that I stand this program now because I know that left to my own devices, I'm I'm completely lost, and I'm um, I'm grateful for the clear-cut directions. You know, it's very it's very straightforward. It's either accept a spiritual path, or just keep going on the overeating path. And you know, I, I there it's a no-brainer. And today, it's not the food, you know, that makes me surrender. It's the noise in my head that make that keeps me coming back to look for the solution. Because once the food's down, you know, the noise in my head, that's when it really started. And it's just through practicing. Um, and I'm, you know, I feel like I'm early on in that journey. Um, I'm still learning how to do that. So thank you so much for hearing me. And I pause. Thank you, Rowena Kay. And I want uh, Loretta. You'll just have to give me the first initial of your last name. You're up, followed by Linda D. Thank you, Lisa. This is Loretta H. And Great, I am a recovered compulsive overeater, and I live in North Carolina. And I want to uh, reference um, in his own language and from his own point of view the way he established a relationship with God. I, too, came into the rooms as an agnostic. But I took, my when my sponsor said jump, I jumped. So initially I used her as a higher power because she was had the experience that I wanted to emulate, hopefully, you know, in my day, the first day I met her. And with God's grace, um, it's been happening now for a number of years. And I relate um, this because I get up every morning and I have kind of what is called a checklist. To ha- and I have a date with God every morning, and it, I have a checklist on it on things that I need to um, 
expand my spiritual fitness with. And I had a job that we actually had a checklist every time we did, we got on, because if we didn't, if something went wrong, then we, um, you know, knew that maybe it was whatever, so that we wouldn't crash and burn. And that's what I feel my God today and why I need that date with God every morning is because I can crash and burn very easily. I'm an addict. I am a compulsive reader. I'm an anorexic. So I go through all the aspects of being really sick. And the only way I can get better is, and somebody shared this last night and I thought it was brilliant, thy will be done, thy will be won, thy will be W-O-O-N, like winning. And that's the only way I can win today at life, no matter what my circumstances. I usually, you don't really win, but I get to have serenity. I get to be surrendered. I, I get to have a life beyond my wildest dreams, even with great pain in it. And um, the language is the language of the heart. It's the language of the heart. And every morning, I must polish my heart with working my program, and it's a practice. And it never gets easier, but it does get better. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Loretta H. And Linda D., you're up, followed by Darian K. Hi, everybody. It's Linda D. in Connecticut, and I'm thrilled and grateful and um, I'm laughing out loud at some of the wonderful remarks that are, I can crash and burn over anything. Um, I'm recovered uh, like seven years in a month. And um, so why am I here? I must know, right? No. Um, What jumps out at me is uh, desperately in need. Am I desperately in need of healing my life? I am. Uh, if I um, eat compulsively, I'm done. I can't handle it. And if I stop eating compulsively, like the diet, I'm done eventually, and I'm real good at dieting. I've lost hundreds and hundreds of pounds. But it doesn't last. And putting that aside, my thinking stinks. I will find a way to self-destruct. I didn't see it when I came in. I was an atheist, but I was so shattered, and that was a tremendous gift, so that I listened. I listened when somebody said God, and I bristled inside. Bristled. And if you said he, or you uh, suggested a certain religious point of view, I bristled but I kept my mouth shut because I was a people pleaser and I still was desperate. But I did have something really valuable. I didn't know it. A higher power who showed me how to be humble, which is follow the rules. The rules were presented by my sponsor. They were in this book. It was the big book. And you would go through it and you would do the best you could according to your understanding. And I failed a lot. And I was very, I hate the word obedient, but I, I paid, you know, I was obedient. I, whatever I was told, jump how high, I did it. 
but I still didn't get the higher power until I surrendered my smart-ass attitude, which was, I'm an intellectual. I know that this is junk. Life sucks and then you die. Oh, I don't have to die. Okay. When it got bad enough, I quit. I surrendered. That's the key thing. And I listened and I looked through these 12 steps for this higher power because all I really wanted was to be loved and to be safe. That's what I wanted. Peace of mind. Loved and safe. And I found it within. I am no longer an atheist. I love, oh my gosh, I'll use the word, G-O-D. Okay, I'll use the word God. And I will use the word power. Because that is what it is. I need a source. It doesn't originate in me, but I do have a soul and it guides me. That's what these steps are about. I pass. Thank you, Linda D. And Darian K., you're up, followed by Chris M. Oh, good morning. This is Darian K. Um, in the Berkshires of Massachusetts. Grateful to be on the line with all of you wonderful people. Um, and I, um, I just really love the way, first of all, just, you know, knowing what to expect um, reading-wise, that's so helpful for me, you know, to kind of lay out uh, what, you know, will be uh, discussed in the book and then um, clear-cut directions, you know, other people have shared on that and I too work in the schools and, you know, clear-cut directions are really important, um, you know, for, for anyone, kids or adults, to um, be able to follow, um, you know, to be able to have success. Um, but the, the big thing for me was the... Um, the part even at the end says, yes, I am one of them too. It's like that association, um, inclusion. Um, and it was so interesting because I, I have been sharing about um, MLK, you know, and talking about him for, you know, in regard to his uh, holiday coming up and talking about what segregation means and then integration. And it's so funny because, you know, God, puts those lessons there for me too, not just the children I work with. Um, and, you know, when I, when I first came into program, I almost thought that, like, I needed to believe a particular something or that I needed to um, follow a particular food plan or, you know, have a certain sponsor or whatever. And, you know, I learned pretty quickly that um, this program is so inclusive and so integrating and it can allow any of us to um, participate and be a part of, you know, as much as we want or as little as we want, but hopefully more than not. Um, because, um, you know, I feel one of many. I feel, I feel included. I feel a part of. I never felt that way in the disease. Never, never, never. And that was something that I so longed for, you know, I didn't want to be the fat kid. I didn't want to have to wear clothes that were pseudo style. Um, I wanted to feel, you know, included and part of the group, and I didn't. And so when I came here, I felt so included and so a part of and so welcome. And people do um, give freely of what they have. Um, They disclose, you know, themselves uh, fully and offer so much beautiful help and um, 
you know, stick with you in, in, in rough times and in joyful times. And, you know, it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. So I am just so grateful um, for the program and for my life today um, and being, you know, a part of just a wonderful, uh, wonderful group of, of human beings, uh, kind, wonderful, giving human beings. Thank you, Alpet. Thank you, Darian K. And Chris M., you're up, followed by Melissa C. Good morning. This is Chris M. from New York. Can you hear me? Yes. Thank you. Um, I'm a recovered compulsive eater, and um, I started in this program in 1986. So 34 years ago, I was 23, and I had had some religious upbringing, but then when I was in college, I was like, oh, you know, I remember someone telling me, God didn't create man, man created God. You know, I was like, oh yeah, that's right, that's right. You know, it's just, it's just a figment of our imagination and we just use it to cope with life um, and to explain the unexplainable and it doesn't really do anything. It's just a bunch of talk. And then I, but I always had a spiritual um, kind of connection of some sort. I just knew there was something there and I couldn't get it. I couldn't get to it. And I think that was that was part of my frustration and anger with the whole concept of God and religion was I was frustrated. I couldn't get that feeling. I couldn't get that connection. But I knew it was there. So when I came into the program and they talked about spiritual things, I was like, oh wait, this is great. I like this. You know, I like they're not talking about religion. They're talking about spiritual stuff and and so I liked it right away, but I didn't understand. And, you know, like I said, I've been in this program for 34 years, and it wasn't until this year where I actually read, I mean, I've read it before, but it, it clicked in my head on page 45 where it says, um, you know, the main purpose of this book is to help us to find a power greater than ourselves that's going to solve our problem. I was like, really? That's, I, I didn't know that. You know, I... I didn't really know that this was what I was supposed to be doing was to be getting this effective uh, relationship with God that I, and I, that I that was going to help me to solve my problem and not only my food problem, every problem. But the feeling of relief I had when I walked in the doors, I heard people like talking my language and this whole spiritual thing, which was all warm and fuzzy and like new age, which I had started to get into at that point. It gave me just enough relief to not really go as far as I as I now know that I needed to go in the pursuit of this relationship. And so I struggled for 34 years uh, in the program, mostly in, sometimes out, but mostly in the program because I knew this is where I needed to be. You know, I didn't want to be here. Uh, and I say this a lot. I love this quote by Groucho Marx. I would never want to belong to a um, a club that would have me as a member. Um, and I just love that. It's just, it's me, you know, like, I don't want to identify with you people. I, I, you know, I just want to be normal. And it took me 34 years of struggle to finally recognize my problem is a lack of power in every area of my life. And, you know, I, thank you. Um, and I, and I apply it in every area and, um, it's just a blessing. So thank you. Okay. Thank you, Chris M. And Melissa C., you're up, and we'll see if we have time for Tina G. 
Hi. Good morning, Lisa. Thank you so much for your service this morning. My name is Melissa C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I live in New York. And, um, you know, I think about, like, convictions and how, um, regardless of what our convictions are, whether we are agnostic or we come in with this really, um, you know, strong belief in a God, we're all really here um, because because the way that we've been doing it is a failure, you know, that's really, and those stories um, at the back of the book, you know, when they talk about that, that, that these accounts are not in bad taste, but they're, um, those are really powerful for me. And, and the ones that not just in the back of the book, but the living and breathing stories, the way, um, you know, because all of them, all of the ways we found God all came really from the same birth spot, necessity, like absolute necessity, desperation. You know, I didn't come in here because things were going great. I didn't come in here because whatever belief or non-belief I had was working for me. Um, you know, I came here, I didn't believe in God. In my great moments, I didn't believe in God or I hated God in my worst moments, and both of those didn't work. And yet I've met people who have a very strong belief in God, and that's not working either. So we all kind of come here with the same thing. And what I loved, you know, the living and breathing stories, the ones that I met, I remember like one of my first meetings in a time of absolute desperation. I, I came to this meeting, couldn't make eye contact. You know, that's where this disease had me, and there was this, to me, just this beautiful woman who... Oh, we lost you, Melissa. Melissa, star one. I think I lost, I think you lost There me, you right? go, there you are, Sorry. yeah, a beautiful woman. I don't know how much... Yes, oh, okay, so I saw this beautiful woman, and I couldn't believe... Um, like, what was she doing here? You know, I felt like I had nothing um, in common at all with her. And she stood up there, and she told, like, my story. She told the things. I, I almost felt for a second, like, was there a secret camera watching me? Um, and that got my attention. You know, that's why those stories were told, because it wasn't that she told me, I'm killing myself. You know, she wasn't like, Melissa, you're killing yourself. You're killing yourself. It was she told me she had been killing herself, and she didn't look that way anymore. And through that, you know, my belief or non-belief, I could push aside and follow direction, you know, clear-cut direction. And that's how we come to find God. That's how it worked for me. Thanks for that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. And Tina G., you have one minute, unless you want to stay on for the second hour to share. Okay, we're out of time. Um, Jean, Tina, I hope you'll, I hope you'll um, stay on for the second hour. Thank you to everyone who shared. Thank you for um, Team Wednesday, your service today. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today, January 13th, 2021, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting is 16,000.
1-800-273-1183. That's 16183. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Crystal P. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning, Crystal P., Compulsible Reader. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you have in God. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you charge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.